Hey, church. Guess what? This is my third official Sunday, and I am your brand new youth and young adult pastor. You've got no idea how stoked I am. Oh my goodness. So on top of that, I'm so excited to open up God's word with you today. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. And as well, bonjour à tous. Je suis tellement excité de partager avec vous aujourd'hui. Who's excited to open up God's word? Absolutely. Now, my name is Austin, and a little bit about me. I grew up here in Atlanta, Canada. My wife Jess and I, we actually spent some time in the States and lived and pastored down there. And now we are back at Moncton, and we are so thrilled to be here. What an incredible church, an incredible pastor. I owe a huge thank you to Pastor Joel and to you guys for allowing me the honor of being here. Now, like I said, I'm the brand new youth pastor. I'm not sure who you should pray for more, me or the students. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see what that looks like. But secondly, I'm honored that not only you trust me with your students, with your young adults, but I get to be up here and share with you. So a couple important things that you should know about me. First, full disclosure, from a young age, I have been a Red Wings fan. This is an appropriate time to boo. Um, but there is hope. There is hope. In my adult life, I might have been raised a Red Wings fan, but in my adult life, I came to put my trust in the Maple Leafs. This is an appropriate, yes, I wasn't sure how that was going to go. Great, awesome. Well, hey, more importantly, the second thing that you should know about me is that I've been married for three years to my beautiful wife, Jess. She's right up here in the room with us up front. And there's a picture of us up on the screen of our wedding day, married for three years. Absolutely, you can clap. I am so honored. She's my ministry partner, my best friend, and we have had an incredible three years. And on top of that, I'm actually a parent. There's going to be a picture of my eldest up on the screen, and uh, you'll get to see a little bit of a picture of him. <laughs> and now that I've lost all you dog people, don't click away. I'm, I'm, I promise I won't focus on that too much. <laughs> but the most important fact that you need to know about me is that I'm a Jesus guy. I believe that Jesus changes people, not me. I believe that there's something powerful about God's word. And when we open up God's word, when we talk about Jesus, God will do something absolutely incredible in this place. So I hope you don't remember me. I hope you don't remember my stories or anything like that. But you remember God's word and God's truth here today. Now, that being said, we are in the third week of our All Things New series. And the title of our talk today is New Beginnings. Say that with me. New beginnings. New beginnings. Now, for me, this is a time of new beginnings. I am new to Moncton. I am new even to this country because we're living away in the States. New job here at Moncton Wesleyan. And just two days ago, a brand new house. Jess and I bought our first house ever. So it's been a time of new beginnings. Absolutely. It's been a time of new beginnings. And that's why I'm excited to open up God's word. And today we'll be diving into the story of Samson, a timeless story that is so applicable to us here in 2020 and how we can turn away from our past and look to the new beginning and the future that God has for each and every single one of us. And I actually heard that Pastor Pat just a couple weeks ago preached on Samson as well. So for today, you can call me Pat Jr., PJ for short, but I'm honored to follow in his footsteps and take a fresh look at the story of Samson. So the story begins in Judges chapter 13 and 16, but because we have some Moncton Wesleyan kids in the room, I'm going to have a little bit of fun with this, and I'm 
going to read Samson's story out of a storybook. So I know it'll be fun for all the kids in the room. Do I have any Moncton Wesleyan kids here? Anybody? Absolutely. I see a couple of you in the audience. So this is going to be targeted at kids, but I know that we'll all have fun for it, fun with it as well. So Judges 13 through 16, you can follow along in your Bibles, but I'll be reading out of this storybook. Let's dive in. The story of Samson begins because the Israelites were once again getting into trouble. The Israelites just couldn't seem to stay out of trouble for very long. Even though God had saved them from the Egyptians and helped them through the Red Sea, they still complained. Even when Moses went to get the Ten Commandments, these people started worshiping another god. Now, during all this, the Israelites had been conquered by a group called the Philistines. Say Philistines. Philistines. They've been conquered by the Philistines, and this is where Samson comes in. God made it so that he would help free the Israelites from the Philistines. But here's what's wild. Samson's mom couldn't have any children. But an angel of the Lord came to her and said, you can't have any children now, but God is going to give you a son. You'll have a special son, and he will take the vow of the Nazarites, which means he should never cut his hair, eat grapes, or touch a dead body. Judges 13.5, God proclaimed that Samson would take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. As he grew up, he realized that he had a special gift. He was incredibly strong. Samson was so strong that he was able to kill a lion with his bare hands and defend himself against 1,000 Philistines because of the strength that God had given him. But I guess you could say that Samson didn't like the Philistines and the Philistines didn't like Samson. The Philistines realized that they needed some way, somehow, to defeat Samson. Now, Samson had another issue. Samson, as Samson became a young man, he liked girls a lot. And there was one in particular that he liked the most. Her name was Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines noticed that Samson was coming to see Delilah a lot more lately. So the bad guys decided to go to Delilah and make a deal with her. The Philistines asked Delilah to betray Samson and find out his secret for 5,500 pieces of silver. This was about $5,000. So kids, to put that in perspective, you could buy over 1,200 bags of candy with that much money. She was hooked. So after this, Delilah made a nice meal for Samson and said, Samson, could you tell me the secret to your strength? And he said, if anyone ties me up with seven brand new bowstrings, I'll become as weak as any other man. So Delilah sneaked off and told the Philistines. Then they asked her to tie him up when he slept. So Delilah went home, tied up Samson, and the Philistines came over to take Samson away to prison. And right as they were sneaking up on him, Delilah yelled, Samson, the Philistines are here. And snap, Samson broke the bowstrings and he got away. Now, at this point, you'd think that Samson would break up with Delilah, right? He absolutely didn't. We're not sure why. But guess what he did? He kept on dating her. So Delilah put on her saddest face and said, Samson, you lied to me. Tell me how you can be tied up. And guess what? Samson broke up with her, right? Red flag. He absolutely didn't. But he went ahead and he lied again. He said that all that was needed for his strength to go away was for him to be tied with fresh ropes. And again, the Philistines came and Delilah yelled, Samson! The Philistines are here. He woke up and snap. He broke free and escaped again. So Delilah said to him, how can you tell me that you love me when you don't trust me with your thoughts and your secrets? And here's what Samson did. He used the best relationship tool he could know of. Some of the couples in the room might know about this. He used the silent treatment. 
Anybody know about that? He used the silent treatment. But the only problem is that Delilah would not stop asking. She asked at breakfast, lunch, when they were out for a walk, in the evening. And finally, Samson just couldn't take it anymore. He said, enough already. I will tell you everything. Just leave me alone. He said, my hair has never been cut. I had to take certain vows when I was born and have been given this gift by God. If my head was shaved, I would become as weak as any other man. Delilah knew that this was the truth, so when Samson was sleeping, she cut his hair, and he became weaker and weaker and weaker until he was as weak as anybody else. Now, all of a sudden, Judges 16.20 says that Delilah shouted one more time, Samson, the Philistines are coming. Samson awoke from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before and shake myself free, but he wasn't aware that the gift from God had left him. Let me say that again. Samson wasn't aware that his gift from God had left him. And the Philistines grabbed him and took Samson away. And this time, Samson could do nothing to fight them off. But hear this. The Philistines had captured Samson, but God wasn't done with him yet. Samson's hair had been cut off, but God still had plans for him. His hair began to grow Again, and God was with him. The Philistines were humiliating Samson, but God was about to use him for his best victory yet. And in the, in the end, Samson regained his strength before they could finish him off. They tied him up to two large pillars so that all of the Philistines could make fun of him. And as he was being humiliated, Samson prayed to God for one last burst of strength. And even though he had broken his vows, God gave him his strength and he was able to break free. But when he did, the temple fell on him and a large number of Philistines. And here's the final verse of this story. Judges 16.30 says that Samson had a greater victory in his death than he had ever had in his life. He had a new beginning, the end. Let's go ahead and pray for God's word. Father God, we just believe and proclaim in this place that there is something powerful about your word. That when we speak about your word, when we hear your word, that it does not come back void. So, Lord, I just ask that it wouldn't be my words, but it would be yours. That you would do a powerful work in me, in this place, here in the room, as well as for everybody watching online. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we come expectant, asking you to do big things. And all of God's people said, amen. Now, we're going to go ahead and dive into Samson's life. So whether you're a kid, whether you're college, young adult, parent, grandparent, whatever life stage you're in, I believe that God has a word for you today. Now, we see in this story that Samson wasn't perfect, right? But if we're going to be real, all of us are imperfect. Do we, have any, do we have any perfect people in the room? Any raise of hands? Bueller? Bueller? Anybody? Husbands, that's the time where you should start pointing to your wife, right? That's, that's when you need to start pointing to her. But hey, I'll let you off the hook for today. But we're all imperfect like Samson. We all have our setbacks. We all have our struggles. And that's why I think it's going to be so cool to dive in and see two things. We're going to look at three things that we can look, look at from this story. So we're going to look at two things that we need to avoid in order to get our new beginning. And then we're going to look at one encouragement for Samson and for us to have a new beginning. And then at the very end, we're going to get practical and nitty-gritty on how we can apply this truth. So for the rest of the time, we'll be in Judges chapter 16. And here is our first point. Don't get distracted. Say that with me. 
Don't get distracted. En français, ne vous laissez pas distraire. Chapter 16, verse 1, it says that Samson went to Gaza and saw a prostitute. Here's what you need to know about Gaza. That is the last place that Samson should be. This isn't a great spot to go on a date. It's going downtown at 1 a.m. on a Saturday morning. Samson knew that this was the last place for a man of God to be, but he was distracted and he went there anyway. It was like going on a business trip to Las Vegas. Samson was thinking, what happens in Gaza stays in Gaza. That is what he was thinking. It was no accident that he was down there. It's no accident. He was distracted. But in a lighter, more trivial way, how many of us would agree that it's easy to get distracted? I know for me, I don't know if there's anybody like this, I'm the type where I'll be talking on the phone and then all of a sudden I'll be in a panic looking for my phone as I'm talking on the phone. I, maybe, maybe others, there's some forgetful people in the room. Just the other week, I was actually leaving my house. I realized that I had forgotten something, went back to my house to grab it, and then got distracted by something else left my house realizing that I had forgotten what I had already forgotten. Is there anybody in the room like that? Any forgetful people? Any people online just being totally vulnerable? <laughs> but we are distracted in the more trivial things, but I think we can all agree that it's easy to get distracted in some of the more consequential things as well. It's so easy. And Samson's downfall was his distractions, and that could be ours as well. How easy is it to be reading your Bible in your room? How easy is it to be praying and then all of a sudden a notification goes off on your phone, right? And then bam, you're just totally in a different place. It's so easy for us to get distracted. There's this great quote from Francis Chan that talks about our distractions. It says, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Let me say that again. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Maybe your greatest accomplishments for God are on the other side of your distractions. Maybe God might be calling you in this direction, but it's so easy if God's calling us here to all of a sudden let our eyes wander over here and start going in that different direction. That was the issue with Samson, and that's the issue that we need to avoid as well. Paul in 2 Thessalonians 3.13 says this, never get tired of doing what is right. Never get tired. Not sometimes, not occasionally, but never get tired of doing what's right. Never get distracted. That is our first lesson. Our second lesson is this, small compromises lead to big consequences. Small compromises lead to big consequences. We all know that Samson got distracted, but the issue for him is it was this snowball effect. All throughout Samson's story, we see that over and over and over again, he made these small little compromises that led to big consequences. And I don't think Samson thought when he started, when he started getting into sin, when he started breaking God's rule, that he would get as far down the line as he did. And I think the same is true for us. It's so easy to think that maybe those minor little things, maybe that pet sin, maybe that small little thing that we don't think anybody will ever find out about, we think that that won't affect things. But we read this story and we realize that these small little distractions, the small consequences, or the small compromises lead to big consequences. In 1999, NASA launched the Mars Climate Orbiter, and this is a great illustration of this. It cost them $190 million. It was a great success at its launch, but as soon as it got to Mars, it slammed into the side of the planet, and it was a total failure. Why? Just one little mathematical error. It slammed into the planet, 
Because instead of converting from the U.S. imperial system or the U.S. metric system, they didn't convert it to the English imperial system. One small little compromise that jeopardized the entire mission. There's another story about this. Legend has it that on the banks of the West Coast, there was these uh, stagecoach drivers that they were trying to hire in order for the banks to get their, their stuff from one side of the mountains to the other side of the mountains. Now, they would ask the stagecoach driver saying, hey, how close do you think that you could get to the edge while still protecting our cargo? Now, legend has it that one stagecoach driver said, I can get within one feet of the edge. I can get within one foot of the edge. Now, another said, I could actually get within six inches of the edge. But the banks hired the stagecoach drivers that said, I don't care how close I could get to the edge. I'm going to stay as far away from there as humanly possible. How easy is it for us as Christians to try and get as close to the edge as we can, when in reality, we need to stay as far away from sin, as far away from those consequences as we can. We see this in chapter 6, chapter 16, verse 4. It says that sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sarek. Do you know what the Valley of Sarek stands for? It stands for bad news. First Gaza, then Sarek, and Samson knew what he was getting into. And maybe at the time it didn't seem like a big deal, but they had huge consequences down the line. Samson loved to flirt with the scandalous. And the reality is that nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks, hey, I'm going to be a bad person today. (laughs) It's just ridiculous to think of that. But what people do, do all the time, is they make small little decisions that affect their destiny. They make small little compromise, compromise after compromise, and they don't realize the unintended effects. How does the saying go? You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Samson faced his struggles, but we serve a God of new beginnings. And if you forget the entire rest of the message, I hope that you remember this one incredible truth. And this is our third and final point. It's never too Late. Can you say that with me? It's never too late. We serve a God of new beginnings, and we see this in chapter 16, verse 29. Then Samson reached out to the two central pillars that held the building and pushed against them, one with his right arm, the other with his left, saying, let me die with the Philistines. Samson pushed hard with all of his might, and the building crashed on the tyrants and all the people in it. Samson had a greater victory in his death than he had ever had in his life. Church, can I encourage you with this? God didn't give up on Samson and he will never give up on you. We serve a God of new beginnings. He will never give up on you. And somebody needs to hear this in this place. God doesn't give up on you as fast as you give up on yourself. God will never give up on you. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter your brokenness. It doesn't matter what you've done, what your story is, what your background is. God loves you and he has a new beginning for you no matter what. Can I get an amen from somebody? God is so good. God is in the life-changing business and it's never too late. I have a friend who has a really similar story to Samson. His name is Michael. He grew up in a non-Christian household and from the age of eight years old, he got wrapped up in a gang lifestyle. At the age of eight, the gang knew that he had the opportunity to get away with certain crimes that they couldn't get away with. So at the age of eight, he started in this, and in his 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, he was a part of this gang. He lived a horrendous life of crime. But guess what? God wasn't done with Michael. 
we serve a God of new beginnings. He was 50 years old. He was on his way to do another terrible crime, maybe the most terrible one that he had committed. And all of a sudden, he was in his car, and all that he remembers is all of a sudden he was in front of this church. And he had never stepped in a church building before, but all of a sudden he felt like he had to walk into this church. It was almost like somebody else was doing it. He walked into this church, came into a celebrate recovery meeting, went to the front and gave his life to Jesus for the very first time. What's incredible about Michael is three years later, he wasn't Michael the gang leader, he was Michael the pastor. And he led the largest Celebrate Recovery that that area of the country had ever seen. We serve a God of new beginnings, it's never too late. That is the power of Jesus. If he can do it in Samson's life, if he can do it in Michael's life, he can do it in your life as well. Today is your day. Jesus wants to do a work in your life, small, big, or somewhere in between. So here's the challenge. What is it in your life that needs to change? What's an area that you've been distracted in? I'm going to explore some keys to your new beginning. Because God wants to do a powerful work. And I know for me and I know for many of us that we don't have a knowledge problem. We have an obedience problem. How easy is it to read something? How easy is it for God to say something and walk away the same? So here are some keys to your new beginning. The first is this, Bible reading. Sometimes it's easy to neglect or forget the power of God's word. They did a study on the tangible effects that God's word has on those around us. And this is what they found. They studied 40,000 people that went from not reading their Bible to reading their Bible daily. They found this, loneliness dropped by 30%, anger issues by 32%, alcoholism by 57%, and pornography addiction by 61% because God's word changes things. God's word, how can you dive into that more? The second thing is this, it's prayer. They did another study on the effects of prayer in marriage. And some of you might have heard that right now in marriages across our country, the divorce rate sits at about 50%. But they decided to do a study on what happens when couples pray together every single day and get this. When you pray every single day with your spouse, the divorce rate, rate drops to 1%. It's powerful what prayer does for all the singles in the room. Imagine what God can do in your life if you start praying for all the middle school and high school and college students. Some of the most incredible movements of God are when people are claiming their campuses for Jesus in prayer. Prayer changes things. The third thing is this, it's discipleship. God has not created us to go through life alone. And let me ask this question, what's some of the most important things, or what's the thing that you've been missing the most during COVID-19? I know for me and for so many of us, it's just been interaction. It's been friendships. It's been, able, it's been being able to gather with one another. And that's why we're so thrilled to be launching small groups this fall. Now, for some of you that wouldn't want to meet in person, we have Zoom small groups, and we've got incredible opportunities with that, and we've been hearing awesome stories. So if you would be interested in being a part of a small group, I would so encourage you to reach out. If you're online, you can go to mw.church groups. If you're here in person, you can just grab a Connect card, fill it out, put out that I want to grow spiritually and put groups right at the bottom there. God could transform your life through that. Church, will you stand with me as we come to a close? Here in a moment I'm going to pray, and then we're going to continue to worship God. But maybe for some of you, this is your day for the best new beginning 
you could ever ask for. It's time for you to say yes to Jesus, giving your life over to him and seeing what he can do. If that's you, I'm gonna start off my prayer just with a little prayer that you can pray with me and give your life to him. And if that is you, I'd love for you to mark it down on your Connect card, whether you're here in person or online. For all of us, I would just ask the question of you, what is next? As you walk out, how is this gonna affect your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, and your Thursday, all throughout the week? Watch what God can do when you say yes to his new beginning. Church, let's pray. Father God, for all the people that wanna commit their life to you in this building and online, I pray that they pray this with me. Jesus, I commit my life to you. I say sorry for the way that I've been. I say sorry for my sins, for my downfalls, for my shortcomings. But God, I pivot from the past and focus on you in the future and say yes to the life that you have for me. Jesus, I need you, I love you, and I choose to follow you today. God, for all of us, help us to not just be hearers of the word. Like James 1 says, help us to be doers of the word. Help us to walk out of here different. God, I thank you for the way that you've been impacting my life through this story. Lord, I just pray that you'd impact all of us. God, forgive us for where we've been, but help us to focus on the new beginning that you have for us. You're a God of transformation. God, you change everything. Love changes everything. And I thank you for the work that you're going to do. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We pray all this in the powerful name of Jesus.